All right, we ready? You got a story of our I first can't memory? Tell you how ready I am. Okay, be fun. Chelsea and I have known each other since we were in diapers. And in all those years, we've come together, we've been pushed apart, and of course, ultimately came together for good with an amazing 22 years of marriage under our belts. So today, in honor of Valentine's Day, we're going to go back to the beginning if you want to go with us and tell you where our love story begins. We'll talk about the first time we went steady to the first time (laughs) I saw you naked and all the peaks and valleys along the way. And what keeps drawing us back together each and every day. So here we go today on In Good Faith. So my first memory of you, I must admit, is uh, muddled. And that's a terrible way to even start. And, 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 and <laughs> right a really on a Valentine's word, Day the beginning of our love story. That's supposed to be romantic. Um, Your memory is muddled. But it is muddled. I had these deep memories that are unclear and murky. Of you and your sister, I see sweet little Chelsea. Oh my! She gosh. had like this, just always had the most beautiful skin, and the cutest, most adorable face. I'm falling in love with the face in my mind all over again. But my first, most vivid memory of you at a really early age was Safety Patrol um, <laughs> in fifth and sixth grade. I was in sixth grade. You were in I fifth. was in fifth. You were in sixth. And you were obsessed with me, which was a big deal amongst my fifth grade friends. I'm not going to lie. I was hot. You know? And Mrs. Kuhnhausen, <laughs> really. my fifth grade teacher, you were hot. You know, <laughs> we started using terms like hot with For fifth sixth and sixth grader. graders. Uh, but that plaid skirt and that beautiful button-up white blouse, right? Yeah, Do you remember Oxford. that? Oh. And, Always tucked in. That was required. And um, do you remember what I was wearing? Uh, This was an elementary school uniform. So you had blue pants. Cords. And a red polo shirt. Blue cords and a red polo shirt. Oh, gosh. I remember those safety patrol days. The day seemed to go so slow because knowing that at three o'clock, I got to walk with you out to the street and then walk back. It was the favorite part of my day in those elementary school days. Do you remember what we talked about on the walk? I mean- Random things, I'm sure. Okay, my memory of you? Yeah. Well, it's not my first memory, but it's my most vivid, was when we also carpooled together. And I think my mom dropped you off first. And so we dropped you off and you were standing at your door. This would have been, um, you had khaki pants on. When did you wear khaki pants? Uh, I think that would have been when I was like 12 or 13. Was so that more middle school? Middle khaki school. was middle school. Yeah. So you had khaki pants on. And oh, in, my word, and you're going to tell that and story. And a navy shirt. And you were standing knocking at your door, waiting for it to open. And it's the first time in my life I ever noticed a guy had a cute butt. And I was sitting there watching you such, knock at your such door. Such language, but. Right? And wow. just think, wow. To this day, I really enjoy your derriere. Is that? Whoa. Is that a better way to say it? Really? You still think I have a cute butt? Yeah, you do. I still like squeezing it. I, I, remember, I remember you guys at this beautiful pool and we'd come over to swim at your pool. And I remember you commenting on my, when I put a towel on that my butt was cute. I did? No, 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 no. no later. Oh, later. Gosh, no, not say, in the moment. You would never. I was going to say, that was so forward of me. I got a funny story. I had a photo 
of Chelsea by her pool in a bikini. It was a picture with my sister, who was best friends with Chelsea's sister. Our moms were best friends. How intertwined are our lives? You think and we then we went on summer vacation together. It's like, <laughs> yeah, wait, it's- are you sure you guys weren't related? You're both Smiths. This is getting weird. Yeah, and so one of the things I don't think we've talked about in good faith is that my maiden name was actually Smith as well. Even though, thank God, we weren't related. We were both From Smiths. best we can tell. From best we can tell. <laughs> but, I mean, I really appreciate that you took my name when we got married. It's very, very I did. And there's you. our joke, folks. That's it. That's the joke we've been telling for 22 That's years. Well, that um, joke and along the fact that our moms were friends when they were pregnant with us. And they said, let's have a boy and a girl and they can get married. And literally, can happened. you imagine these two beautiful ladies pregnant together, three months apart in their pregnancy saying, Gosh, if we could have a boy and a girl and get them married, that would be the best. I'm telling you, the intertwinedness here, which is not a word, was outrageous. But I had a, a picture of you, Stacy, and Wendy. I cut out Wendy and Stacy, our sisters, and I just kept the photo of Chelsea in her swimsuit. And then I made photocopies of it, and then I would sketch it. This is getting weird, actually, now I that I think about it. And it was you, like, in your little swimsuit. And uh, I thought you were super hot. You were like 13 at that point, I think, right? 12 or 13. Yeah, probably. And um, that photo of you in your your bikini, I kept it in, in my desk drawer. When we moved to Seattle. Oh, it's so crazy to think. <laughs> okay, but those emotions and those feelings seemed so, so real. real. They were every bit as real as the love I have for you now. I mean, extremely different. But it's crazy to think of our kids being that way and their emotions being oh, so deep and just... so real. Because after our eighth grade year, after we'd been dating for a year and a half, but liking each other. Dating for like, is a loose term. Yeah, Going ju- steady really is more Junior high, whatever that means. We never really dating. went anywhere. So. Yeah, right. Except for on family trips. But we'd liked each other for three years at that point. And then your family packed up and moved from Portland to Seattle. And that was rough. That was. Do you Obviously, remember the gift you gave me when I moved to Seattle? A pillowcase. Oh, yeah. That I, I still, made. I still have that pillowcase. You do? do you remember the gift you gave me? A Bible. A devotional. A devotional. That's right. I my, gave you a de- my mom made me do that. I had to give you a Christian devotional. Yeah. and oh, you, man, But you I'm signed so it your, quote, special friend. Your special friend. That's right. My mom said I was allowed to call you my special friend. And you were so obedient. That pillowcase smelled like you for years and years and years. Still have that pillowcase, by the okay, way. Okay. And you know what's so weird? Sometimes I still catch you still smelling my pillow in the morning. I love how you oh, smell. I love You're that my you- my best friend. I love that you still love how I smell, but it hasn't gotten old to you after- Is this a creepy episode? Years. Are we creeping people out? Probably a little, so, bit. a little yeah, bit. But this is our story, folks. This- <laughs> is our story. What do you do early on a Monday morning? Smell my wife's pillow. Reminds me of my childhood. So junior high, we liked each other. Obviously, I was a grade older than you. It started when I was in sixth grade. You were in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. We started liking each other, but we never really said anything about it. It was just, we just liked each other. And that built up until I was in eighth grade and you were in seventh grade. And that's when we officially became boyfriends and girlfriends. And we were boyfriends and girlfriends at that point. Yeah. Yes. We liked each other. And we expressed that relationship at that tender age of 13 by writing notes back and forth. This is the early 90s. There yep. is no text messages. There is passing notes in school. And we still have that box. Of yeah, notes. we do. The highlight of my day was getting a note from you. But I loved it because we were best friends even at that point. Yeah. 
I mean, I had girlfriends who were best friends, but we just got along so well and enjoyed talking and laughing. And obviously because our families were friends, there was such a comfortability and you were so cute with your cute little butt. And I just liked you. <laughs> I was not to like. I had, I had blonde hair back then. Yep. Spiky blonde hair. Spiky blonde hair. Yeah. I mean, did I run things in the middle school? Yeah. I don't want to get into it. That's not the point. Yeah. I mean, there. actually it is true. Even though you were a seventh grader, you pretty much ran the whole middle school. So. Appreciate you saying that. That's certainly how I remember it. Like, <laughs> I'm 43, still wanting people to know that, you know, ran the junior high. But then the sad news came. Yeah. About halfway through our eighth grade year, your family decided to move from Portland, Oregon, where mm-hmm. we had grown up, to Seattle, Washington. About three hours up the highway. Yeah, where your parents moved to start a church. And I was devastated because I was going to miss you so much. I mean, you really were such a close friend. And at summer camp that year, I remember being on a beach walk and praying, just talking to God. It's like, God, I'm so sad. He's going to move. Who am I going to sit by? And, you, you know, all these things. God yes. And that is where I know this is everybody's favorite life verse, but it's actually my favorite life verse, which is Romans eight twenty eight says all things work all together for things. good to those who love God and are called to his purpose. And that's probably one of the first times I felt like I just had that peace of God that comes from hearing his word. And I just felt this peace that all things were going to work out for good. To the tune of three children and 22 years of marriage later. And a puppy. <laughs> oh, and a puppy. Do not forget our puppy. He's my favorite child. So, I'm kidding. So Everyone you moved relax. to Seattle and we still dated for about six months. Now this is when long distance phone calls cost money. There's no email. There's oh no FaceTime. There's Do no you Skype. remember that? Our parents like, you need to hang up. That's enough. Yeah, like we could call each other like on Saturday nights or something because it was cheaper. cheaper. Yeah. And then we wrote cards and sent them in the mail. So maintaining a long distance relationship amongst 14 year olds. Was an in, undertaking. Yeah, in the early 90s was an undertaking. So it only lasted until the youth group ski trip that we went on. Remember that I went on with oh, your church with Pastor right. G. Right. That was my first time, second time skiing. My first time was with you in Mount Hood Yeah, when we were 12 and 13. And I was much better than you. And then our second time ever skiing was at Mount Bachelor. With you. Yeah. And that is when on this youth group trip, we broke up. We just decided it wasn't going to work. It was just too hard. And so I was a freshman at this point. You were in eighth grade. I really felt like you were the impetus behind that breakup, though. I probably was. There's other cute high schoolers who are a little bit older. And you went on to date many, many men. (laughs) I did. Not many men. I mean, probably my freshman. Wait, you admitted it and then you said you didn't? I mean, which is it? I. Oh, are you hearing this, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, her absolute, she's unraveling in front of us. No, well, we we got back together when we were 20. So how many people well, can you really date between the ages of 15 well, and 20? Well, I don't know. You tell us. The audience my, is probably, on pins and needles. Probably my freshman year of college was when I, was when I like really tried to, to date around the most. <laughs> you sure did. Wow, wow, wow. Meanwhile, I was over here reading my Bible. The only thing you did during our high school years when we were apart was you kissed a girl playing truth or dare. I did. Eighth grade state trip. Uh, yep. You went somewhere in the state of Washington for your eighth grade year. And I did. I kissed a girl named Michelle. So yeah, throughout high school, we'd see really each other. We'd see each other once in a while on family <laughs> vacations or like if our churches would get together for a camp or conference. And yep. I will have to say, every time I saw you, I always thought you were cute and always just appreciated you. Is that cheesy? How do I just I appreciated? Me. Just noticed you. Wow. And I think you noticed me too because you always made a point to become friends with my boyfriends. This is yep, here that we is go. Absolutely here true. We go. This is absolutely ridiculous and really contentious on your part. I did not. You ended up dating 
guys that were my friends. And that was your way of sending a message, as they said. We're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Oh, get absolutely out of here <laughs> with your agree to disagree. <laughs> so, so much for in good faith. I don't feel like this is in good faith at this all. This isn't disagreeing on <laughs> the memories of high school students in love. How can those ever be accurate? So, so post high school, I was working for my church and you came and you were our junior high camp speaker. Twin Rocks Friends Camp on the Oregon coast. I was the 19-year-old camp speaker, and you were the 19-year-old like assistant camp director, and it was a couple hundred junior high students. And I remember this. The one oh, thing word. that kept me from actually fully liking you was I thought you were a little bit cocky at that point, and you're actually so confident and truthfully now your humility is one of my favorite things about you. But I just thought because you have this confidence and you're good looking and charismatic, I just thought you were cocky. And so that was kind of a turnoff for me. But I remember watching you at this camp and you had done something that maybe, I don't know if you went over time or did something that maybe you didn't feel like was right. And you immediately came up to the camp director and said, I'm so sorry that I did this. If it wasn't right, do you need me to apologize or something? And I just happened to be there and something clicked on in me at that point, I realized this guy is really, he is humble and he's special. And I don't feel like I remember this part of the story. I think I might, I think I might be interested this is a bit in him in some me. way. At that camp, I had definitely heard Chelsea thinks um, you're arrogant. And I was like, what? No, I, I mean, but then of course, an, only an arrogant man would say, I'm not arrogant, you know? So I was like, well, I can't do that. So, but, but yeah, it hurt, it hurt for sure. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you heard that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Somebody told me. I forget who it was. They're like, yeah, Chelsea thinks you're arrogant. And I was like, well, maybe I am if she feels that way. I thought she knew me better than that. So at this camp, I realized that you weren't arrogant. And I thought, okay, maybe I could be interested in him. Fast forward a few months. Our oh, family- no, we are not fast forwarding because at that same camp, Chelsea burned down the kitchen. She burned <laughs> down the kitchen at this camp. It was unbelievable. So I am speaking in front of 200, 300 middle school students. How many middle school students? Yeah, probably 200. Yeah. It's about, about 200. It's packed house. And I am waxing eloquently. Probably even back then I spoke for an hour, for goodness sake. And all of a sudden, one of the camp leaders came in and told the camp director, and I see them whispering in the back. They, they wave at me to stop speaking. I stop speaking and they have to remove all the kids from the chapel because the kitchen's directly across from the chapel and they're worried that the kitchen that Chelsea lit on fire yeah. would catch the chapel on fire and uh, hurt us. This so what actually happened? The kitchen burned down. But you know what I think is so <laughs> incredible is that I must have been so good at my job that I didn't get fired for burning down the kitchen. So you know what? I take it. I just take it as a win. That's how I take it. true. Who doesn't get fired after they burn down a kitchen? (laughs) Oh, my word. That is funny. You've been burning down kitchen since. I'm kidding. That's a joke. (laughs) I've just stopped using kitchens. That's how I have handled that. Chelsea brings her food from afar. That's in the Proverbs. It's all good. That's such a cheesy Christian joke. So anyway, (laughs) Christians out there, you don't talk about Proverbs 31. Fast forward a few months. It's Christmas time. Our families often spent Christmas together. And this Christmas was the turning point where- Christmas of 99. 98. Oh, 98. Yeah, we got married in 99. That is so long ago. I oh know. my word, it doesn't seem that long ago. Remember, our sisters were together. All of us were talking. Mm-hmm. My family was staying at your family's house. And you and I just started talking. And then our sisters slowly, as they did our whole lives- ditched us, went off to bed. And you and I just like stayed up until three in the morning, just talking, talking, talking about everything. And I remember 
you know, here's our more adult version of ourselves, not fully adults, just loving conversation with you and loving to connect with you in that way and feeling like we could talk for hours. And I'm, that's not always normal for me. That was such a special, special connection. You know, I went upstairs and my sister woke up, right? And she's like, were you guys, were you guys talking the whole time? Do you know that? I was sleeping in your sister's room with her. Oh. So no. It must have been the next night or something. It was probably after we left. Oh, it was after, okay, okay, that's what, yeah. And she's like, she was so excited and we stayed up so late talking because of course our sisters wanted us to get together again. My parents actually since have told me they had a conversation before we went to Seattle that year saying, honey, they, my parents, what they called each other. Right, whatever. If we take this trip to Seattle, I think Chelsea might fall in love with Judah. And my parents knew that if that happened, I would most likely end up in Seattle. And so they actually thought about not taking the trip. Is that true? Yes. But then they realized you were such a great man and they would actually be happy if we ended up together. Oh, I love that part of the story. I don't even know if I've ever actually heard that part. I knew that they thought if they went up there, maybe we'd get together. But thinking about not coming, can you imagine if you didn't come on that trip? I would have found you anyways. Yeah, but, you would have. Um, still, that's uh, that's incredible. And then yeah. on Christmas Day Christmas of Day. 1998, you called and said. I called Chelsea on Christmas Day as my mom and dad and sister are standing around the phone in my dad's office and uh i said can i talk to your dad no yeah Mm -mm. i remember the exact line oh you do yes oh my word what was it you said because you hadn't i I didn't know at this point if you really liked me or not like Mm. is he just being friends am i special am i not and so this is a few days later we talked on the phone a few times i was back in portland you're in seattle and you said so i want to ask your dad if i can pursue a relationship with you oh that you didn't even have i was like wait this guy wants to talk to my dad without asking me first. <laughs> no, and then no, no, no. This I remember. You're like, does that mean you like me? And I was yeah. like, oh, you're an idiot, Judah. You kind of got that out of order. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and he's like, can I talk to your dad? <laughs> I got it's so, so nervous. So, so sweet and so old fashioned. I'm listening to that now of all of our friends oh, and thinking, who asked their dad if they can pursue a relationship? But this well, is. We were 12. We were, so, yeah, I mean, we 19. were, we were full 20. And I was still living at home and you felt like that was the proper thing to do. And I loved your courage. So January 1st of 1999, we had our first official real date at Multnomah Falls. Multnomah Falls. All the Northwest people know where that is. Went up to the bridge, felt the mist from the beautiful, one of the great falls in the United States of America, I might add. Highly recommend it. And um, well, gosh, less than a year later, I would propose to you at that same falls. Yeah, where I would put a ring on a stuffed animal lion. Very weird. But anyways, we won't get into that part. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I love that season because it was just that, Mm. that young love, you know, that infatuation, that romance, the I can't sleep, I can't eat all those things and all those feels were so real to me back then. I mean, I said why I fell in love with you because we just talked and it was great. Why? I mean, apparently I need a compliment, but why did you like me? Um, well, it had nothing to do with sex in your body. It was really only spiritual (laughs) and emotional. So you grew up a lot since junior high and taking a photo of me in my bikini. (laughs) Right. And keeping it in my desk. (laughs) Um, well, because I've never connected with anyone like I connected with you in my whole life, um, with the depth and the continuity and, um, 
yeah, I, I knew you were beautiful. I knew you were gorgeous. I knew that you would get more beautiful with age. That was my, very attractive. My mom is yeah, very your beautiful. Your mom is gorgeous. But I just figured if if we were first friends and great friends, um, that friendship would sustain us through difficult times in as life partners. And I think I was right. Do you think I was right? I think you were right. <laughs> I loved your hands too. I've always loved your yeah. hands. I think they're just some of my favorite. Chelsea has just such regal hands. They're long. They're beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yep. I like your lips, except for the mustache right now. But that's a, that's another. I just gotta trim it. You'll oh, be. Gosh. It'll be fine. I don't like your mustache because I like your lips so much. So, I mean, could you imagine that. what if? Oh. <gasps> I just had a revelation. What? Could you imagine if I wore gloves all the time? Wouldn't that make you sad since you like my of hands? Of course that would make that's me sad. That's how I feel about your mustache. But that's not what we're talking about. My mustache is like gloves on your hands? Yes. That's like covering it all, though. Okay. Gloves with fingers. With the finger holes. Oh, okay. I'd be I'd be a little more comfortable with that. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen ninety nine, we fall in love. We start dating. It was so great. You asked me to marry me at Multnomah Falls. I said yes. And then November fifth, nineteen ninety nine, we got married in front of. Well, this was back in the day. Can't imagine these things happening now. Where you invited the yeah. whole church to your wedding. So I invited all of my church mm. to our wedding. You invited all of your church to our wedding. It was more like a church service than yeah. a wedding. Yeah, but. we like we had food for eight hundred people, only desserts because it was so expensive, and we ended up with like fifteen hundred people. And completely ran out of food. And it's stood. funny because the trend back then too was like, yeah, invite everyone, and it's a it's a big wedding, isn't that cool? And and now I just know in my heart I've been like, man, it just would have been way more fun to have like a couple hundred of our like closest friends. But we were young and dumb and happy, and and we just we just had a church service. Yeah, but it was multiple speakers. Like it was like a <laughs> it was like a conference. Also, do you remember the meet and greet line? Oh, our receiving line. Yeah, we stood the there for two line, hours and Why said did I hi. Say meet and greet. That's weird. Sorry. Right, and said hi to all of our parents, friends. I just kept putting my hand on your butt. We were definitely the Christian couple who stayed virgins. Well, until I, we got because married. I was terrified. I was legitimately terrified in touching your boobs or your butt or anything. I mean, I just was terrified. I was terrified that God would get me. My mom would kill me. So yeah, we really didn't do it. I had not touched your behind or your boobs at all. And so then we're in this, imagine, ladies and gentlemen, imagine (laughs) this. Here's my best friend, the love of my life. I am obsessed with her. More obsessed today than I was back then, but nonetheless. And I mean, I've never been that horny. And I am standing in, I don't want to exaggerate. How long was the receiving line? Two hours at least. At least two hours. I was going to say more like three I think we finally called it off. But like meeting and greeting basically our parents, friends, and church people. And I'm looking at this woman, trying to look down her dress. I can see the cleavage. I've never seen her nipples. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just want to like, ah! um, But as the story goes, I, I, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't wait much longer. But anyways, we won't get into that right now. Oh, no, we definitely need to get we into are? that. We are? I mean, can I tell our limo story? Yeah, I guess. This is our podcast. I mean, what are we going to do? Prepare yourselves, Christians, all over the the listening map. Okay, well, let me say something positive first. And that is because our conviction was to not have sex before we got married. And that that was our personal conviction. As as afraid as you were of your 
mom and God about that. It was our personal conviction. I thought because you had so much self-control and you didn't cross the line while we were dating, you actually adhered to our conviction. It has built in me so much trust throughout our marriage that if you were able to have self-control back then, that you can still have self-control now and that you are a man of your word and a man of integrity. And I never would have known those short months of self-control, the value that that could have added to our marriage for the rest of our marriage. Well, and I couldn't have either. I, I can't tell you over the course of 22 years and all the minutes and moments and days, not a lot in a row, but that we've been apart. Man, that trust, it has meant more to me than well, millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars, to be honest. And 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 for those listening, it's just, I would just simply say it's worth it. No matter what you believe about scripture and God and Jesus, it's just, it's just a really, really awesome trust investment. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also why we started dating January 1st of 1999 and we're married. And they got married. Yeah, so let's all just relax a little bit. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> self-control had your limits. So you're this, this amazing man who had all this self-control while we were dating. Yeah. And then we did the receiving line and the cake and all the reception. And then we finally get into the limo. Keep in mind, like we're not doing any dancing or live music. And now that I look back, it's probably it's really because of traditions and customs and whatever. But also, you know, we weren't trying to hang out. I've been to so many fun celebrations. Like, man, we go all night. We have fun. We have a blast. But like for Chelsea and I, it was like, no, no, I, I really even haven't ever seen her naked. And I've been waiting to see her naked for a very, very long time. So, oh, no, here we go. So we get into the limo. The privacy screen is up. It's 98. So you or 99. 99. So, yeah, of course, we had a limousine just to be Yeah, clear. yeah. Oh, gosh, it's so cheesy now. So we got married in Portland. But then after our honeymoon, we were moving to Seattle. And I just said goodbye to my mom and dad, my sister. I can't believe we're telling this story. It was a little bit emotional. A little nervous for me at that point. So I look, I'm longingly looking out the window, oh, like waving God. goodbye to my family, literal tears in my eyes. And I turn around and your pants are fully pulled down. You're like, you want to see it? Yep. <laughs> as, That's me. As, and we'll leave the details at yeah. that. Uh, and I, I looked at my brand new wife's face and I... There proceeded was, to make out with me. Like, yep. You didn't really care that yep. I was crying. Nope. I was going to say that, that I saw your face and you were in tears and you were hurting and losing your friends. And I uh, just. I think at that point I laughed and smiled. I mean, yeah, what else I was I going to do? It was great. It was fun. But that Turned was still in the church parking lot, to be clear. Yeah. We hadn't <laughs> even not. left the parking lot. But it's, it's crazy now thinking back about our love story and how we've now reached the part where we were 21 years old when we got married. We've been mm. married for 22 years. So we've been together longer than we were apart growing up. Just recently. Yeah. It's a pretty cool feeling. And it's interesting though, in those 22 years, how many times we still had to, or got to choose each other over and over and choose to fall in love and choose to go through hard times, having our first babies, the passing of your father, career mm. hardships, but how much that found, and I really think about it in telling these stories that we haven't told in so long, that foundation of love and trust and friendship really has been such a sustaining factor over these years. Let me ask you a question that I don't know if I've ever asked you about our journey and our love story. What is the most prevailing point from the beginning of our love story that has really meant a lot to you? that maybe I'm not aware of. Mm. And when you, you say from the beginning, like from all the way up yeah, until Yeah, we can go all, all the way, way back to when now. we were kids. We can go back to, you know, our wedding. What You know, what? You know, it's funny. You hear people say that the person you fall in love with, like you can try to change them, but they're not going to change. So just kind of bank on that. And I think about our relationship and our friendship over the years. And such a significant point for me was when 
you realized you liked going on vacation with just me, mm. that you didn't need a bunch of guys around. You didn't need buddies. You didn't need a party that I was actually enough to be enjoyable and relaxing for you for a week or 10 days. And I think about that trip we took to Hawaii. I think it was our first trip after all three of our kids were born and Grace was maybe two. We didn't even rent a car. So we were probably at this resort for a week at a time and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We just talked and talked and talked and had meaningful conversation because we had babies. We probably hadn't had a lot. So we probably had like two (laughs) years backlog, but just the fact that you still enjoyed me. I mean, sex is great and that's wonderful. And that's been so fun, but that you enjoyed me and my Mm. personality and my brain and who I am has probably meant the most to me over the years. And you remember that early on? Mm, Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. How would you answer that question? I knew you were going to do that. And I didn't have anything prepared. I really asked that because I was just curious. I think there were moments in our marriage where because of your love for me, you changed everything about your life. And I remember the overwhelming sensation coming home as a janitor working for the church custodian. And I would come back to our little town home, which we were so blessed, still love that town home and seeing the adjustment you were going through at the time. It was just pain at time. It was loss at the time. It was lonely at the time. It was, but early on, I remember, you know, late at night laying in this bed with this person, you know, we can be in bed together. This is wild. And watching you sleep or or whatever, thinking, man, she's left everything like Portland. You know, it's only three hours down the road, but back then it might as well have been 3000 miles, you know, it was just, it was so far. And, and, and I was like, Whoa, she, she chose me. And I think in the course of 22 years, like revisiting that times, like this human being chose me knowing that it would be painful for a while before it wasn't. And it was, Mm, there was a lot of love and a lot of pat, but it was, you were lonely. You moved to Seattle. Seattle back then was so different from Portland. Portland's like super cool now. (laughs) Uh, Seattle is, is kind of the big brother. And it was just a different, such a different life. I remember feeling like, whoa, this is a responsibility. Like this brilliant, bright, strong, incredible human being has changed her life for me. And I still get like a warm place in my heart thinking that you did that and you keep doing that. And I hope that I'm doing that still 22 years later. Like, no, I'll, I'll walk into pain because I, because I love you. Yeah. It's funny talking about pain in marriage. I know this is our happy Valentine's day <laughs> love story <laughs> episode, but I don't think you could have a good love story without pain. Mm. Initially, it was the pain of moving, but then it is the pain of adjusting to babies, the pain of, as I mentioned earlier, losing your dad, pain of change and so many things that have happened in the course of 22 years. And I think that pain either drives you closer together or it drives you further apart. Because I feel like every time we've gone through something acutely difficult, it has brought us closer together. Yep. I look back at my pain of missing home when we first got married, but it forced us to be friends. It forced us to rely on each other and depend on each other in a unique way. Why do you think that is? That pain worked for us? Yeah, that instead of instead of growing apart, it actually caused us to grow closer together. 
probably it starts with you. I think early on in 99, 2000, those couple of years, there was a lot of change and change is pain. And you embraced the pain. You didn't deny it. You didn't try to avoid it. You acknowledged it. I fought with you at times. I was, I would get upset with you. Well, then get out of the house and meet people. And, you know, humiliated by that dumb stuff. Remember that huge fight you got in and I had been folding laundry and I was mad at you because I, like you were out golfing or something. You took all. Oh, Oh, I dumped out the laundry. No, I, you're right. I threw the laundry at you. All the laundry that I'd been folding. Oh yeah. You threw it across. Yeah. Yeah. Chucked it at you. Chucked it at me. I was like standing (laughs) in the kitchen, I think. And you were just throwing it at me. I was like, uh oh, oh, oh. You know what I think is so interesting, babe, thinking about our first year of marriage and the fights. And I think the reason those fights seem more difficult or those years seem more challenging is we hadn't had victories behind us. I think after our oldest son was born was probably the roughest season of our marriage other than our first year of marriage, just because it's so much transition. I think we were used to having each other all to ourselves and then adding this third person in was kind of a unique dynamic. (laughs) Yeah. At that point, even though it was difficult, looking back and realizing, no, we made it through the first year. And even though this is challenging, we can make it through this challenge. And then, you know, right after Zion was born, your dad was diagnosed with cancer, realizing, no, we can make it through this. And with each victory, the next one seemed easier, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's like that documentary, the guy climbing all these mountain summits. I'm sure every summit you summit you kind of feel like, well, if I did that, I could probably do the next one. And and maybe that gets lost in the mix sometimes. People realize like, man, if you got through that, fighting really does have that feeling sometimes like you're building something. Because I can guarantee you one thing in any romance, in any relationship of any kind, there's going to be valleys and there's going to be mountaintops. And recognizing both and the role that they play in the love story, I think is really important. Yeah. You know, I had an interesting experience at the dentist yesterday that parallels. My teeth are straight. My mom paid a lot of money. Mom, thank you for all the orthodontic work. I had braces for 400 years. And the dentist said, you know, you got great teeth. What do you want to do? And I said, I always have cavities. I always got to get them fixed. I never get numb. I just don't want to have any more pain. If I do veneers, do I have to brush and floss? And veneers fix everything, right? And he's like, he looked at me and kind of like, pause. A brand new dentist I'd never met before, just trying to get like, you know, pain-free life with my teeth. And he looked at me and he goes, you still have to brush and floss. Yeah, no, you can still get cavities. And he's looking at me like, and I go, oh, I'm just trying to get rid of this pain. He's like, literally my dentist turned philosopher. I don't even remember his name. He goes, no, this is life. There's always going to be some pain and you're going to have to just work on keeping your teeth healthy. And I was like, oh, and I think- That's such a good analogy. Well, it's just, okay, here is our Valentine advice, at least my Valentine Day advice of 2022. Here we go. If you think the relationship you're in, that pain-free is an indication it's the right relationship, I would argue just the opposite. Any pain-free relationship is not a real relationship. If you're going to have a lifelong romance one of the ways you spell lifelong romance is pain and, and, and change is pain and pain is change. And, and life keeps changing. Life just stick, keeps changing. Okay, I thought where you were going to go with the veneer analogy, which mm. your analogy is great, is that you think it'd just be so much easier to just get rid of your old teeth and get new teeth and then you could be free of pain. Oh my word. I mean, I could see that. And there have been times in 20 years of marriage where it just feels like escaping this 
would be so much yep. easier. Just, just getting, get some new teeth. Getting out of this life with Judah, whatever. Yep. And you just kind of needed- Get a new life partner. Just a dentist to tell you like, no. You're going what, to have to maintain your new teeth too. Wow, that is a great application. Mine's a little better than yours, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we got an old-fashioned Valentine's Day competition going on over here. Oh, but I think, um, uh, I think about life with you and I think every one of those painful moments was beyond worth it. Yeah, but you set a precedent in our relationship that I think people can really glean from, and I certainly have and learned from it dramatically. And that is when in pain, I think the best thing, the most functional thing to do is say, I'm in pain. This hurts. This is hard. Doesn't mean I'm quitting. Doesn't mean I'm done. Doesn't mean I'm out. I'm not changing my teeth. But um, this hurts. And I need you to be here with me and recognize that this hurts. And I wasn't great at being with you in the pain. I constantly just wanted to eradicate it and fix it and eliminate it or numb it. And, and I now know, 22 years later, a big part of our love story is being together, present in the pain. Well, and that's what I love about you, actually, going back to that middle school camp that you were speaking at, is that that humility that I found in you there, I still love in you today that you're always willing to learn, always willing to grow, always ready to just say, oh, okay, I need to learn that, do that differently. Nobody's ever going to find a perfect person. But my wisdom is if you can find a humble person who's willing to change, you can end up in a very beautiful, loving relationship. So happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. There is our love story and uh, hopefully a couple of takeaways. Yeah. How do you think we'll make it another 22 years out of curiosity? Oh, man. That'll be 44, by the way. It's, the math comes to me quickly. I don't want to get into Our it. kids are going to grow, so we're going to go through empty nests together. Oh, which we're on I the am cusp so of. excited. We're going to live just today. I know all we have is today. But just when I peek into tomorrow, I'm like, in about five or six years, we and, are... Uh, and there'll be some exciting things about that, yeah, but there's going to be some hard things. I mean, I'm There'll gonna, be some pain. Yeah, we're one year away from our oldest son leaving. So I, I don't know. I think we'll just keep doing it. We'll keep dancing. Keep dancing. The music changes, but you stay on the dance floor. And I say you dance with the partner you came with. Hey, I feel like any person who is not in a relationship, who stuck it out on Valentine's mm. Day to listen to our love story, <laughs> who wants to be in a relationship is such a hero because that can be such a tough season and situation. And I know Valentine's Day yeah. can be lonely. Can you pray for anybody who is feeling lonely as we conclude our episode? Yeah, that's a great way to end. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Uh, you said that you are near, you're close to the brokenhearted. And there is no doubt people listening to this episode that this actually ends up being a reminder of maybe love lost, relationships broken, or just the fact that maybe there's never been this kind of romance in their life and they desire it. I pray today, right now in the moments as I'm praying on this episode, that each and every person you know by name who feel this way, that you would comfort them and you would be near to them and you would remind them that the work and the plan and the purpose you started in them, you will be faithful to complete it. In all of this, we were reminded that you are the source of life, you are the source of love, you are the source of meaning and purpose and comfort. And we trust you. In your name, amen. Amen. This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, 
Elias Tanner, Scooter Braun, Scott Manson, James Shin, and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Grace Delia and Caitlin Plummer of OBB Sound and Kyle Venuya of SB Projects. Produced by Lauren LaGrasso and Serena Regan of Cadence 13. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Adam Macias. Original composition by Colin Gilliard. Production support from Otha White and Dylan Martyr. OBB Sound is an OBB media company. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. 